This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Champs, and welcome back to another year, another season of Keeping Carlson Presents Short Shifts. My name is Ben Burnett. I am extremely excited to be here sitting on my brand new podcasting desk. That's right. I'm bringing in 2020 in style, my very first desk. No more kitchen casting for your boy. And of course, it is time for me to welcome my co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing, buddy? Great. We are coming back like the Dallas Stars in an outdoor game in the Big D. That is 100% accurate. And Lewis, I like to think that you, you know, I'm uh, excited because of my new desk. I like to think you right now off of school, you must be feeling a little bit more energized than usual as well. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I think I got a little bit of lead in the legs, you know, uh, when you have some time off, but I've been working on sort of getting myself back into game shape these last couple days, so I hope that I can uh, put up a performance worthy of my draft rating. I'm sure you can. Folks, we have a very special episode for you tonight. This is going to be our mid-season Shifty Awards. The Shifty Awards, of course, a very prestigious, never-before-heard-of award show where we are going to give first-half awards for fantasy performances to a number of players tonight, culminating in, of course, the Most Valuable Player Award. Uh, Lewis and I are each going to have picks for this one, and then we are going to argue about it. We are also going to have some special guests tonight. Of course, we are brought to you by Keeping Carlson, the best fantasy hockey podcast hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pool. Lewis and I, uh, I think one half of us has Eric Carlson in the keeper pool. Is that right? I'm pretty sure I'm the only Keeping Carlson uh, employee at this point who owns him in a keeper pool, but uh, we'll just switch it to a C, and then I think lots of us will be able to apply. I actually have both Carlsons in my keeper. And therefore, you must be doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm doing all right for myself. Quite happy. All right, well, let's get into tonight's show. Of course, the Shifty Awards. We are going to have a number of categories uh, we're going to start with the biggest flop award. Um, Lewis, I personally did not think up a clever title for this one. Do you have anything in the chamber for a huge flop? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's anything that Brian will let us pass through quality control for our biggest flop. So uh, we'll just call it our, our faceplant shifty here uh, for person who we're just most disappointed with for how they've performed so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you go first on this one? All right. Well, uh, I've got somebody that I think a number of people will certainly agree with. I am going to give my the first of our shifties out to Brent Burns uh, for our biggest flop award. So we'll be looking at these through the lens of cupful scoring. And just to run through it kind of briefly, uh, we count. It's a points league, uh, five point or four and a half points for a goal. So plus the shot, you've got five points there. Three points for an assist, a uh, half point for a shot or a block, a quarter of a point for a hit, uh, and a shorthanded point will earn you an extra point there. We'll talk about goalies when we get to goalies. Um, but yeah, Burns, uh, by the scoring uh, rating, was set to be the preseason number nine. He is currently coming in at about the halfway point of the season at the 163rd player. I very much doubt that Brent Burns was available in anyone's leagues outside of the top 100, and even that is a pretty massive stretch. In terms of average fantasy points per game, Burns is tied for 
13th among defensemen. He is behind Carlson, Yossi, Hamilton, Hedman, Latang, Weber, Clefbaum, Edler, Petrangelo, Makar, Ellis, Wierenski, tied with Jacob Truba, and barely ahead of Drew Doughty. Ben, you think you could have had Edler for less than Burns uh, at your draft table? Maybe a few picks after, anyway. <laughs> so I feel like the caveman has devolved a little bit. We may be calling him Australopithecus afarensis last season. But, hey, uh, here on Tuesday night or Thursday night, he's got himself an assist. Hey, I'm into that. Uh, Brent Burns is a player who I definitely have advocated selling high on in the past. So, yeah, if you picked Brent Burns in the first round, you are definitely not feeling good about the second half. And that's kind of where I'm struggling on this award is, you know, Brent Burns, I think, is a great pick. A lot of the ones that I, I would think to to go with are, are players who I think could bounce back, you know, like a Johnny Goudreau, someone who uh, I believe is ranked in the 230s of Kakupful on a per-game basis, even after being drafted probably in the third round, in, by the third round in most leagues. That's sort of the type of player who you, your mind kind of jumps to, but I actually kind of like Johnny Gaudreau for a second-half bounce back, so it's tough for me to pick a player like that. So instead, so instead, I went similar to you. I took a different San Jose Sharks defenseman. How do you like Eric Carlson? Uh, ranked 189th on a per-game basis, really struggling to put together anything resembling a, um, uh, a product. Sorry. It's really struggling to put together anything resembling a productive offensive season. And then you match that with the tremendous fall off in shots per game. He really just isn't doing anything at an elite pace anymore. And as at least with Brent Burns, you're looking at somebody who's producing on the back end stats a little bit more than Carlson shooting and hitting. I just I can't with Eric Carlson. If you got him in the second round or the first, you are unhappy with yourself right now. Yeah, and I think just overall, I feel like the biggest flop award in terms of how a team is doing, I think there's no doubt that it's got to be the Sharks uh, for Mm -hmm. their performance so far this season. I thought a little bit about the Devils just because there was a lot of preseason hype, although I feel like I probably bought into that more than maybe your average person uh, with some of my picks, uh, including Gusev, who I dropped before he recovered. Uh, And I picked up Corey Crawford, too, which is looking like a pretty hideous uh, draft pick at this point. Uh, so I would say, yeah, narrowly edging out the Devils, uh, we should have the Sharks as our biggest flop uh, for the team awards. What about goaltending, Lewis? If we were to just go into the goaltending, you, you kind of raise an interesting point talking about Corey Crawford, but what player would you call the biggest flop goaltending-wise so far this year? Well, you know, for me, I think certainly Schneider um, being... Did I say Crawford before? Of course. I think you did Schneider. say Crawford. Okay. My mistake. Um, but Crawford, I think, uh, is an interesting pick as well, just because uh, he's kind of been um, bested so far by Robin Lehner, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, it, it, with goaltending, I don't think the Sharks should have expected, uh, or anyone should have expected the Sharks goaltending to be especially great. Um, you might find your Price owners or maybe your Vasilevsky owners um being the people who feel like they've gotten the least return for maybe where they spent their draft pick. Uh, Especially Vasilevsky, I think, has, you know, he's been fine in terms of wins now that the Lightning have kind of picked it up. Definitely a very rough start to the season. But a second year in a row where really he has been fairly average uh, outside of those wins categories since Tampa Bay has great offense, but really not doing a whole lot for you in terms of rate stats or... um, fantasy points i think if it were me i would i would stay in that state but i would i'd flip over to the other team in sunrise Bobrowski's still under a 900 on the season only 14 wins in his i don't know 30 some appearances besides a stretch in mid-december where he had i think four or five straight quality starts he has just been absolutely abysmal posting another five games with a sub 900 to start I, well, at the end of 2019 and to start 2020, woof. Yeah, that's really grim. I think that's a great selection, Sergei Bobrovsky. People were excited about his opportunity uh, on a team with some great offense, but yeah, it just hasn't been there. All right, Lewis, let's move on from the Biggest Flop Award. Let's get into something that is 
really good, I guess we'll call it the Hot Wings Award. And Lewis, I'll let you explain why we're calling this the Hot Wings Shifty. Well, so Ben comes to me and he says, what's something where the second half is really good? Uh, and I went to that Hot Wings. That sounds very sexual like, off top. Well, all right, fair enough. Uh, but, you know, you spend the first half of your Hot Wings eating experience kind of burning through your defenses a little bit there. And then your second half is like the pure fire portion. Uh, so that's sort of what we're looking for here. We want to see who we think will be fire in the second half. Um and if I can jump into my nominee, I have got Shay Theodore as somebody that I am keeping my eye on for a big-time second-half breakout. Even with his recent success, you know, it's already maybe started to begin. He's still barely over a half point per game, um, but he's seventh overall for defensemen in shots on goal. He's got a stranglehold over the power play deployment uh, for Vegas. And he's already created two-thirds of last year's individual high-danger chances. So I'm feeling very good about his opportunity to break his career points mark. He only needs 12 more points to reach 35, which would tie his all-time high. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to project Shea Theodore for a 60-point pace the rest of the way through the season. Oh, damn. That's pretty hot. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about Shea Theodore here. All right, well, okay, I feel less hot about my take now, and I, I thought that it was going to be a pretty hot take, but uh, I do like Shea Theodore. I'm, damn, 60. So how many goals do you think he's going to score? in the? Is it, is it 40 more games here? Uh, I think he's got 39 more. Um, when I was looking on Natural Stat Trick, I think it said he had 43, uh, mm. and that 39 may count uh, Thursday night's game, which has not started yet at the time of this recording. So 39, and then if he's leading the, if he's seventh in the league, rather, in shots on goal, you're expecting him to score a few goals, I would imagine, to get up to that 60, 60 point range. So what kind of a clip do you, do you see him scoring at? So he's shooting at under 5% right now on his 114 shots. Let's say it maybe dips a little bit and he ends up with around 200. Um, I would expect for him to have between 12 and 14, 15 goals, maybe. 12 and 15 would be hot though, right? Like he's, that would be, are you, are we talking full season or rest of season? Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm talking for his total full season, right? So that would be like uh, seven, seven or eight more goals. Seven or eight on like, we'll say 80 more shots then. Uh, sure. I think okay. you can do a little bit better than that shot wise, but yeah, something in that neighborhood. Yeah, I suppose, right? Like we'd probably be looking at like 110, 120. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I could see that. So then to finish off at a uh, 60 point pace, he would need to have, uh, what, like 25 assists on that? 32 out of 39? Yeah, something around sense? there. Yep. I'm sorry to be doing math on our podcast. No, it's more <laughs> than that. Uh, oh, wait, times 82. Ah, hold on. I'm so sorry that this is happening. That's okay, uh, we can edit it. 32 divided by. 39 times 82. Oh, that'd be a lot more. Okay, so he, he needs fewer than 25. That would give him a... It'd give him a 67-point pace if he had 32 points on 39 more games, 25 more assists. I definitely don't think that that's too, too crazy. I, I like it. It's a it's a good pick. I think that Shea Theodore could be someone that uh, breaks out here, especially because even with the dips that he's seen this season, we haven't seen a dip in his deployment. So you love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to keep his deployment, and I think he's going to be able to do a little bit more with it in the second half. Mm. All right, I'm going to go with somebody who I also think is going to give us 60 points rest of season. However, it is a forward, so it's a little bit less hot in that sense. However, the reason why I think that this is a good breakout pick is because from a peripheral standpoint, the guy is such a beast. This is someone who I've kind of cooled off on towards the beginning of the season, and now that I look at his full season rate stats... Once you regress some of these numbers, he looks like someone who is primed for a breakout. I am talking about the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, um, currently shooting 7% at even strength, which is by far his lowest he's ever seen. He's got a 56% IPP, which is by far the lowest he's ever seen. And his on-ice shooting percentage is below 8%, which is, again, as I'm sure you can guess, the lowest he's ever had. All of these numbers just project 
regression. And given the fact that you're looking at someone who produces really high hit rates and the shots have been extremely good the last few weeks, I just think that Jamie Benn is someone who's going to be really useful in the second half of a lot of leagues. I would love to see it. You know, I was a long time Jamie Benn holder in my keeper leagues. I always enjoyed having him around. It's been sort of disappointing to see how things have gone more recently. I think it would be great if he could get back on that horse and have a 60-point pace the rest of the season. All right, Lewis. We're moving on to some additional content. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, we have a guest spot here from our boy Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme. He wanted to present the Shifty for Streamer of the Year. Hello, everyone. My name is Dave Benton. I am the host of the Stream Scheme, which is part of the Keeping Carlson Podcast Network. Thank you to Ben and Lewis for allowing me to present the Shifty for the Streamer of the Year so far. A lot of great candidates, and I even had to clarify with Ben, hey, are we talking calendar year? Because come on, that's Jared McCann easy. Yes, we McCann. Who doesn't remember that? But if we're talking just the 2019-2020 season so far, I think we absolutely have to go with Anthony Duclair from the Ottawa Senators. We originally gave out Anthony Duclair as a weekly streamer pick on our show on October 19th. However, Keeping Carlson Facebook patrons had gotten their money's worth that month because I actually gave out Duclair as a streamer pick on the Facebook group before that show even happened. I was so excited about him. At the time of this show, however, Anthony Duclair was only 2% owned, which even qualified him to be a ludicrous streamer pick that week, but I liked him so much I made him my top streamer pick that week. Hopefully everyone held on to him because he's currently 34th overall in cupful points right now, outperforming superstars like Kucherov, Stamkos, Wheeler, Tavares, etc. This is why everyone should be listening to the stream scheme because it is picking up players like Duclair that could absolutely absolutely win your season for you should you sell high on him if you own him yeah of course but don't sell yourself too short anthony duclair your mid-season 2019 2020 streamer of the year what a pro love to hear from dave Yes, Dave, that is why you should be listening to the stream scheme. He is 100% correct about that. An amazing show. And I love to hear it because, of course, I do have Anthony Duclair in the cupful. And if you've been listening to Short Shifts, you've also heard me call that. I I think I called a 30-goal season for Anthony Duclair a few weeks ago on this very show. So to see him hit 21 before even getting to the 40 game mark was pretty exciting for me. Absolutely. Uh, Do you have anyone else that you can think of as a potential streamer of the year that maybe could compete or at least be mentioned in the same sentence as the Duke uh, among our other great successes of the year picking up from free agency? Yeah, I definitely don't think that anyone really comes close, although you do have to give credit to a couple of Penguins. I think that uh, Tristan Jari in particular could wind up being, uh, you know, in the top 10 of goaltending performances this year if he keeps it up. But it's pretty tough to feel as confident in him as you do as someone with Duclair, who has been able to maintain a really solid shot rate. And despite the fact that his shooting percentage has peaked quite a bit over the past few weeks, I think there's a enough space for regression on the assist side of things he added an assist tonight uh that i i think that duclair is definitely the safest bet i think you know there's another player in ottawa uh jean gabriel Peugeot deserves a little bit of mention here but once again i do think it's much more likely duclair keeps it up than Peugeot. All right, so I want to just throw out a couple other options who maybe are not as exciting as Duclair, but certainly have proven their mettle as some really effective streamer pickups, uh, folks that street, you might stream in and never be able to stream out again. Uh, those would be Tony D'Angelo, TDA, in mm. New York, uh, who really has been outstanding. He seems to have ended the back and forth between himself and and Adam Fox for control over the lethal top power play deployment. Uh, so he's been really effective for us, I think. You know, as far as, uh, <laughs> listen, you laugh, but if there's one thing that New York has going for it, they've got some scoring acumen, even if they can't play a lick of defense. Uh, oh, no, I thought have... you were making fun of my Rangers is why I laughed, because you called them a lethal top power play unit. I agree with you. I like that power play in New York. 
Yeah, you know, I it's I was not being too tongue in cheek there. I don't think. Uh, and then Thank I wanted you. to, and then I wanted to propose Alex Killorn uh, as okay. a possibility. AK seventeen has been extremely valuable for anyone who grabbed him off the waiver wire starting about three weeks ago, uh, with some nice schedule for Tampa Bay and just getting some really nice deployment uh, that he hasn't seen so much before, or at least has only seen in passing lately. But getting onto uh, the top six in. Tampa Bay, obviously, is really nice, and getting some top power play time has been great value for his owners. Yeah, I think another guy who I definitely would have had on my list if we had done this show a few weeks ago is Jakob Verana in Washington, but he's really cooled off the past few weeks. I don't think he's scored a goal in the, I guess, since December 6th, So and, you know, not getting any any primo deployment now that Washington's top power play unit is all healthy. So a bummer for Jakob Verana owners, but a few weeks ago, I, I probably would have had him even above uh, Anthony Duclair. All right, well, let's jump into the next of our shifties. As you know, Average Time on Ice, our Twitter account at AVG Time on Ice is a major proponent of the policy of AGAB, all goalies are bad. However, we are going to go off script here to present the hashtag SGAG award for some goalies are good. Every once in a while, you might find a goaltending performance that you can look at without feeling the bile rise in your throat. Who are some of the goalies who have been doing that for you so far this season? Yes. Now that uh, Jade is not on this podcast or listening to me, uh, shouts out Jade, I can go ahead and say with confidence that some goalies are good. Yes, this is a hot take, maybe my hottest. Uh, A few names that kind of came up, and I I know I mentioned them in the last category, but obviously Tristan Jari has been amazing for me in a few leagues where I've streamed him in. Darcy Kemper has been incredible for me in the Cupful, but I just think the injury and, and the mysterious timeline on that has kind of dampened his case for the SGAG award. Um, to me, it kind of comes down to uh, Bishop or Hellebuck. Uh, just been so consistent. I think Bishop was a guy who I faded in a lot of draft. Well, I had to fade in a lot of drafts because I'm a, I'm a late round goalie drafter and Bishop was going in the top five of goaltenders, but he's been quietly and, you know, consistently extremely good. But on a much worse team, I'm just so impressed with Connor Hellebuck third in wins. He's got a decent quality start percentage despite being on a lousy team. So for me, he's my pick for the Some Goalies Are Good Award. And in the very next breath, Lewis, I'm going to say it. Sell high on Connor Hellebuck, though. I mean, on this terrible team, getting, you know, terrible defensive support. Would it not make sense to kind of hedge your bets on a guy who's been somewhat inconsistent to start his career? It's been, uh, he's been on and off each year. Two years are good, and then in between two bad years. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Connor Hellebuck. What do you think about that? I think that's the right approach. Uh, you know, you can now go to your league mates and say, look, this guy just won a shifty award for some goalies are good for a bunch <laughs> of people who can't stand goalies. So, obviously, he's got a ton of value. Yeah, mm. this is a guy who is certainly his team's MVP uh, in terms of really standing on his head for them to keep them in games where they really don't deserve to be. Uh, If you look at Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey's uh, Hockey Viz, you can just see what we're talking about in terms of the level of dangerous shots that the Jets are willing to give up and just hope that, or willing or just unable to prevent Mm. Uh, and just hoping that Halley can step in and save them. I have a Some Goalies Are Good recommendation, too. This guy is not a uh, this guy is not a starting goalie in the clearest sense of the word, but I think he will be in short order. Uh, and that is Robin Lehner. This is a guy who bet on himself to leave Mitch Korn, leave the New York Islanders' uh, heavy defensive system, and head out to Chicago, a team that plays much worse defense, and just, you know, sign this one-year deal hoping that he's going to be able to parlay it into a nice long-term deal next season. Um, He's started the last six in a row for Chicago. He's been outstanding in them. He's won five of six. He will 
be starting his seventh in a row Thursday night with that score, of course, pending. And he is the number three goalie in per-game fantasy points on average among goalies with at least five starts in the Cupful. So this is somebody that if you picked him up, yes, he hasn't been getting the number of starts you might like to see, although I think that's going to change in the near future if Chicago is serious about winning. Uh, this is a player who has just been uh, filling your rates and filling your fantasy points uh, and will hopefully continue to do so. I'm, I'm definitely on board with rooting uh, for Robin Lehner and all of his success. I'm, yeah, I, <sighs> some goalies are good. Robin Lehner does appear to be good. I'm with you. Great. <laughs> My, you're not wondering why I had such a adverse reaction to that. Well, I, so I guess my question would be: Do you feel like he is on sort of the Hellebuck track, where he is hanging in there and bailing out his team, uh, which is not so great, and we might see some negative regression? Is that your your thoughts with later? I'm actually less concerned about negative regression just because we there's a narrative that makes sense for why Robin Lehner's been so good the last few years, whereas with Hellebuck, we've seen the back and forth. For me, it's more so just, are we going to see him get enough starts to be the volume starter in Chicago? And and that's kind of, I guess, it went unsaid, but that that is what I what makes Hellebuck so special, is that you, you're getting so many starts out of a guy who's then producing so many saves for you. Now, having said all of that, Robin Lehner has started five straight, and he's been excellent in three of them, So, especially in the last three in particular. So perhaps we are seeing a bit of a changing of the guards where we are going to see a you know 30 out of 40 uh, starts for Lehner in the back half. And if that's the case, then yeah, I think that we could be looking at a, you know, somebody who might be deserving of a, uh, a Hot Wings award. Yeah, I think the big question is, is this a guy, is this guy on a team that is going to be committed to trying to win down the stretch? Or are they going to be in sell mode thinking that they are going to miss the playoffs? So do you think they would sell Laner? No, I just, you know, uh, well, <laughs> if they're going to miss the playoffs, I suppose, why wouldn't you? Yes, I would agree that it would make sense to sell Robin Lehner. I'm not sure that they will. Um, but yeah, I think it's the same. I think you're making basically the same points that I'm making about Hellebuck, where it's just like terrible team, but goalie is dragging them through it. And, you know, some goalies are good. Robin Lehner, I trust a little bit more to be good moving forward. So if he's going to get the starts, then I'm, I, I think that you have a good take there. I will say uh, that does, you know, the idea of him potentially being traded is one that does give me a little bit of concern just because it seems unlikely that if he's going to a playoff team, he's going to a team that needs him to step in as a starting Mm. goalie unless there's some kind of injury. It would more likely be a kind of Rask-Halak tandem situation that he might find himself in where he may actually lose out on some starts compared to staying in Chicago with Crawford simply because he does seem to be pushing Crawford out of that 1A position. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me over the summer if I thought there might be a good playoff team that could use a starting goalie, I would have said the San Jose Sharks. I would no longer consider them in that running. Maybe Carolina would be an interesting spot for him, a team where, you know, Petr Mrazek's been pretty mediocre, and they have James Reimer doing just fine. Maybe you could center a trade around Mrazek for Robin Lehner. I think that that could be really interesting. Um, other than that, I'm not too sure that there's a great spot for him. Yeah, I think I'm sure Chicago wishes that uh, San Jose was performing a little better because I bet you they would be looking to try and send him that way. Let me float this one at you, and I um I feel like a little uh like I'm backstabbing my own brand here as a noted big save Dave apologist. But what if Calgary went out and uh, you know they just cleared up four million in cap space trading Michael for Leak today? What if they went out and added Robin Lehner? That would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I do think that is certainly an interesting uh, possibility. You know, you've got some guys who are doing not so hot in the goal in Calgary if they want to you know they are 
certainly on the rebound from where they were headed at the during the first half of the season. So yeah, some 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 interesting opportunities are out there. We'll see if any GMs are bold enough to maybe pull the trigger on such a deal. All right, we are going to move on to the missed the boat award so lewis this one is a little personal these are guys who we did not jump on quick enough this is kind of our mia culpa is that am i saying that right mia culpa you got it you are a latin master oh that's all it takes to learn latin i'm pretty sure you've you've clearly studied your classics (laughs) perfect yes uh Yes, so this is the Mia Culpa Missed the Boat Award for players that we didn't get anywhere, and now we are regretting it. My big one, and I know that you, I believe that you have him in a league, and I do not, is David Perron was drafted in every league that I was in, and now I have him nowhere. He's been nothing short of amazing in St. Louis. Man, I missed the boat. Yeah, he's really been a guy who kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but like clearly he is very happy to be back in the friendly confines of St. Louis uh, and performing back in a Blues jersey. Not a ton of success for him in places like Boston during his time away. So it's been really exciting to see this guy kind of come back and demonstrate that he is still really capable. Uh, Like we said on a couple episodes ago, he is on pace to smash some of his career best in a number of categories. Uh, I was able to get him off of the waiver wire, not in my most competitive league, unfortunately, uh, in the Cupful, but I do have him in my uh, buddy keeper, and I've really enjoyed his consistent and really effective production. Uh, another guy that we both have talked about is uh, Brian Rust. Uh, he's... Certainly his ceiling has taken a bit of a hit with the loss of Jake Gensel for the remainder of the season. I am sure I know. I don't wanna I don't wanna pull on this scab when it's so fresh, Ben. Um I'm sure you will hear plenty about what Gensel's absence for the next uh handful of months is gonna mean for the Penguins moving forward from Brian and Elon on the Sunday mega show. But um you know, I think that hurts Russ' ceiling, but he hasn't felt it too much because he's been involved in the scoring here on Thursday night. So at least in the short term, he still seems to be keeping it together. This was a guy that I had and dropped in that buddy keeper league that we talked about. Uh, he just has been really, really solid. Uh, just like last year, he was a great streamer. This year, I think he's been even better. Yeah, I definitely am not worried about Brian Rust as long as he stays with Malkin and they continue to get that amazing deployment. And I don't really see who kicks him off the top power play right now. The the Penguins are just down to down to the Hornquists at this point. The who I will say has been very very good since coming back from his most recent injury. But that's kind of what you get with Hornquist. You get the ups and the downs. With Brian Rust, I think we're seeing a true breakout and definitely disappointed to not have him in more places. I think the one that you mentioned to me earlier, Kale McCarr, is similarly devastating for me. Uh, Kale McCarr is a player who got drafted one pick or one defenseman after I drafted Oliver ekman Larson in the Cupful, and that might be my, my greatest regret. Uh, listen, if you want to feel a little bit better about yourself, I picked Corey Schneider before Kale McCarr was drafted in the Cupful, <laughs> so... Uh, I will I will fall on my sword and let you off the hook for whatever decisions you may have made because that is one that is haunting me. You had like a, a bit of a mic drop about that Corey Schneider pickup too. I, I remember oh. you being very, very confident about drafting him early. Well, I was trying to defend myself on the old Twitter machine uh, and I was maybe being a little defensive. Let me just say, whoever it was who was talking to me earlier, if you are listening to us, uh, I was wrong. You were right. It was a bad no, pick. No, they were wrong. It was good. <laughs> I refuse to let you fall on that sword, Lewis. You had good process there. Corey Schneider was a, a, a reasonable pick, uh, maybe a bit later than where you felt comfortable drafting him. But Well, and the, the thing with know. McCarr, too, is, you know, we were we spent, like, the summer kind of hearing, look, you 
Very exciting player. He had a great playoff, but you've got to temper your expectations. You know, rookie defenders, you're much more likely to get 40 points out of them than you are 60 or 70. So you've got to really take it easy. Don't go crazy. Don't overdraft this guy. Um, But I think a lot of us ended up uh, underdrafting him. He's been outstanding. Obviously, that top power play is so good. Uh, So, yeah, nothing much to say about him other than I'm bummed I missed the boat. Yeah, I'm probably trying to make you feel a little too too much better on the Corey Schneider train, but um, yeah, I think that with Kale McCarr, the process needs to include you know both opportunity and we need to listen to prospect folks and weigh that analysis without getting overhyped. You know, I've seen what happens to people who overdraft Casey Middlestad, for example, but in the case of Kale McCarr, the the praise was so effusive from every every side of the the rookie or the the prospect analysis train and have stepping into that top power play role you know obviously there was reason to think that Sam Girard might be good in that spot which clearly i understand how comical that sounds now that we're 40 games into the season and Makar is a revelation and the front runner for the Calder but you know Hindsight is tough, but it's you also need to be fair, and we need to consider the fact that at the time we did not know just how ridiculous this this breakout was going to be. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And I will say also, you know, I appreciate your attempts to pick me up. If I need to pick me up, all I need to look is my uh, position in the tier two standings, uh, and I feel very <laughs> good about myself despite having picked up Corey Schneider far too early. There you go. All right, so- Lewis. We have, a, we have another multimedia guest, do we not? We do. So next up, we are going to hear from Elon, and he is presenting for us the Cigar Award. Uh, if you don't know, the Cigar stands for Can I Get a Redo, which is a league that we are carrying out for patrons. I think we've got three divisions going, which is very exciting. Uh, and it's an opportunity for patrons to do kind of a mid-season redraft and play out the remainder of the season uh, in direct competition with each other with you know, half a season's worth of data in the bank for them. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how some of these players are drafted differently. Uh, and let's hear what Elon has to say for who he thinks is going to be our top uh, redrafted individual. Hello, everybody. Elon here. I'm very excited to give out the next Shifty Award. And this one is going to be the Coffee and Cigarette award for an early riser, i.e. the player that was not drafted in the cupful, but who I think should be drafted highest in the upcoming Cigar League drafts. And just as a reminder, the Cigar League, it stands for Can I Get a Redo? It is a league being organized by Ryan McLaughlin and Marcus Callanan. They're organizing like a faux cupful league that's drafting mid-season. We're going to have as many divisions as we can fill uh, just for the patrons, and it's not too late to sign up. If you are a patron, just make sure you message Marcus or Ryan. And if you're not a patron, you can sign up. KeepingCarls.com slash patron. And yeah, we're going to be drafting mid-season, like early January. So it's coming soon. And I am giving out this award, the Coffee and Cigarette Award, to the player who was not drafted in the Cupful, but I think should go first in Cigar League drafts of these players that weren't drafted in the Cupful at all. The Keep Carls also Patron Fantasy League, of course. Okay, so first, some honorable mentions. These are the players that didn't make the cut. Also, I didn't check all 18 Cupful divisions, but I did verify that in the top two tiers, none of these players were drafted. So one honorable mention is going to be Oliver Bjorkstrand, who was having an amazing run recently. On the season, he's doing okay, 23 points in 36 games, but he was on a run of just getting multiple points every single game. But he's expected to miss four to six weeks with a rib cartilage contusion and an oblique strain, so really bad luck for him and anyone who grabbed him. So obviously he's not going to be drafted first of the non-drafted couple players in these upcoming drafts since he's going to be injured for most of the rest of the season, probably, or at least for a, a big stretch. So honorable mention, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Another honorable mention, I'm just going to throw him out because I like him, Christian Dvorak. Obviously, there's much better options here, but he's still playing with Taylor Hall. Just got himself an assist on a Taylor Hall goal yesterday, so he wasn't drafted in any couple divisions. I think he will be drafted in the Cigar Leagues, but probably not the highest of all these players. Okay, some more serious honorable mentions now. Philip Deneau, 
He is having a tremendous season as the top line center on the Habs. 30 points in 39 games. That's a 63-point pace. He's got four points in the last four games. Doesn't get any respect. Wasn't drafted in any couple divisions. Definitely should be drafted in all of the cigar leagues. Uh, Zach Cassian over on Edmonton. He was doing really well. He slowed down a little bit, as have all of the Oilers. But still 26 points in 38 games for a 56-point pace. Definitely deserving of an honorable mention for a cigar award. But okay, now let's get to the top five. See, I'm throwing a lot of players at you here. But I'm going to give you the top five players, and then I'll tell you who is the winner. So, uh, Or maybe I'll just count down from five. Uh, Number five, Anthony D'Angelo. Not drafted in any couple divisions because everyone thought that Jacob Truba was going to be the top power play defenseman on the Rangers, but that has not been the case. D'Angelo has been running that top power play for many games. Now, there was even a stretch where he and Adam Fox were switching back and forth, but now it's been like four weeks, pretty much, of D'Angelo running the show, and he's doing great. He's got seven points in his last eight games, 28 points in 38 games on the season. That's a 60-point pace. For Anthony D'Angelo, reminds me a lot of Eric Gustafsson last season. He ended up around a 60-point pace, and no one saw it coming. So definitely a top-five, well-earned cigar nomination for Tony D'Angelo. But he doesn't win the award. Neither will Anthony Duclair. We love Anthony Duclair. I know in short shifts, they're talking about him all the time. I even have a hunch he's going to be winning another shifty award on this show. But uh, yeah, amazing season, 31 points in 40 games so far, 21 goals already, so he's on pace for more than 40 goals on the season. Definitely will be drafted in all the Cigar Leagues, but I still think there are three players who maybe should be drafted higher, or actually no, maybe he should be a little higher than this next guy, but I will throw out next, Alex Killorn, another nominee, let's put him in the top three. Killorn has 31 points in 35 games. I feel like no one realizes how good Alex Killorn has been this year. That's a 73-point pace, and he just keeps on producing. He had two goals and assists versus Montreal on the 28th. I guess he had no points versus Detroit yesterday. So he can't get points every game, but he's just... If you look at his game log, you're seeing points after points. He's on a line with Stamkos. He's on the top power play. Killorn should definitely be owned in all leagues, should be drafted in all the cigar leagues. Wild that he wasn't drafted in any of the top two couple divisions. Okay, so now we get down to the final two in second place for my cigar award, or I should call it the coffee and cigarettes award. It is going to go to Tristan Jari. Had to get a goalie in there, and why not a guy who's played 17 games, seems to have taken over the starter's job in Pittsburgh, has a 9.39 save percentage. This is before, uh, I'm recording this on Monday, so this is before the game against Ottawa today, so we'll see how he does. But Jari's been amazing. Anyone who added him basically has a stud number one goalie on their team. Not drafted in any couple division, now must own. But the winner of the 2000... Uh, what would this be? 1920 Coffee and Cigarette Award is a teammate of Tristan Jari. It's going to Brian Rust. Brian Rust has been so amazing. And yeah, maybe there's a little question mark because Sidney Crosby's going to come back soon. And we don't know if that's going to shift up the lines. But you got to imagine Rust is either going to stick with Malkin and Gensel because they've been producing so well, or he'll play with Crosby. Maybe he could even stick on the top power play, but you can't deny 30 points in 25 games. He's on a 98-point pace. Maybe he won't keep this up, but I think he is the player who wasn't drafted in the couple that needs to be drafted first in these cigar drafts. So obviously, it'll be really fun to check the actual results and see if Brian Rust is the person who I'm predicting, but he's the one I would pick. So congratulations, Brian Rust, on your first Shifty Award, the Coffee and Cigarettes Award for Early Riser. Way to go, Brian Rust, and way to go, Ben and Lewis. Thanks for putting on this awards show. Can't wait to listen to it. I think it's safe to say that it's Elon's fault that Jake Gensel got hurt now that uh, now that I'm listening to this a few days after he recorded it. Yeah, that's quite the, uh, quite the tough jinx there. But Ooh. very heartened to hear that Elon is on board with many of our award winners. I suppose he is just as capable of reading through the stat lines as any of us. I, uh, I'm still mad at him about the Jake Gensel thing, so I, I feel the need to change the subject now. <laughs> well, that's great, because we are getting on to the biggest shifty of the night, and that ah. is our shifty MVP at the midseason. We did it, Lewis. We got all the way to the end, and it's time. This isn't such a short shift. We're getting into the mid-sized shifts here. Uh, and yeah, so that means, why not get down to it? The MVP, the 
Mid-season MVP Shifty Award. I'm going to let you go first here. All right. Well, I really struggle with this one because I wanted to think about VORP value over replacement player as I was discussing it. But at the end of the day, I'm going with a center. We've got to go with Nathan McKinnon. Look, the math simply backs it up. He is number one in average points per game. And let's remember that he did it with the massive slate of injuries that Colorado has endured early on in the season. With Colorado returning a full lineup to the ice finally, I think it is time for the Western Conference to be worried about what they are capable of. If McKinnon can be that deadly, missing so many of his teammates, the sky is really the limit for him in terms of what he can do uh, with a fully operational team in front of him, or around him, I suppose I should say. Well, I love to hear it. I did get McKinnon fifth overall because somebody reached for Pasternak at second. Uh, Looked foolish at the time. I think it looks defensible now we would all agree but I I definitely still think that you are right that I would rather have McKinnon in that top group Uh, if you're drafting for next year in the cupful where are you picking Nathan McKinnon I would probably take him third after McDavid and Ovechkin what do you think I think I might take him for a second. I think I might go McDavid McKinnon at this point he's just been so so dominant in uh shots and he's scoring a ton finally and he's getting all of those assists uh i mean the shots over mcdavid put him in the conversation as a possible number one yeah i don't know i uh i'd struggle to pick him any any later than two well we'll see if you end up with the opportunity next year to maybe make that selection or else you may be auctioning up there in tier one sweden so you may have to just put your money where your mouth is in that regard um you know i i suppose i'm i'm a little uh shying away from putting anyone over Ovechkin in that second spot just because I've done it the last couple years and have looked foolish for saying so. So, uh, But I think you make a really good point that he makes for an extremely appealing option there. Yeah, so this is a little behind, uh, or what is it, inside baseball. Inside baseball. Yeah, this is a little inside baseball here. Um, Before I started writing for Dauber, I wrote a couple of sample articles, and I wrote one about how Connor McDavid should not be the number one overall pick this year. A few reasons in there, uh, one of which was positional eligibility and scarcity. The other one was just fear of a lingering knee injury. It looks really bad in that injury that he suffered in game 82 last year. So I was just concerned that that would cause his ice time to, you know, that they would take take it easy on him and give him a, a little bit of a lighter workload to try and ease him back in. Those fears have been assuaged uh, a few a few months into this season. So I was definitely wrong in that article to suggest that you should have picked Kucherov over McDavid. But I did make a, a secondary argument that put Nathan McKinnon in that conversation. And what it really came down to for me is that he's just never had a season shooting above 10%. And I just thought, like, why wouldn't a guy who's so elite, who shoots so much, who has a lethal shot, an amazing wrister, why wouldn't he be able to shoot 14 or 15% one year? And I think that might be this year. So, yeah, I could definitely see Nathan McKinnon finishing the year atop the Cupful rankings and being a in the conversation as first overall next year yeah that'll be really interesting to see how it goes you i mean it seems like mckinnon has been around forever but he's a fairly young guy he is right in the midst of his prime he the sky is definitely the limit for what he's capable of Especially, I mean, I don't know how much better he could do than the stretch where his entire team was injured around him and he still lit the world on fire. I think he was basic for like 140 over that stretch. But like, <laughs> how many points would he have if Rantanen had been healthy the whole year? Like, it's it boggles the mind, truly. Uh, I appreciate that you went this way with MVP because in my head, I was forcing myself to go with someone further down. But I do think there's something to be said for a guy who went at four and has been running away with the, the scoring trophy in fantasy points. So, yeah, good good take. I like it. I did go very different with mine, though, as I alluded to. And so this is a guy who was drafted by ADP. He was the 18th defenseman off the board. And by Kukupful points, he is the number 14 player in all of Kukupful scoring. 
That man is Douglas H. Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton, what a stud he's been this year. Hamilton is pacing for 76 points from the back end. He's got 13 goals, well on his way to 20, which would be a new career high. He's still shooting a crazy amount. He isn't quite hitting to the extent that he was last year, which, you know, if you're in a multi-cat, that might hurt a little bit more, but... What more can you ask for now that he's getting 60 plus percent of the power play time on what is a very, very uh, competent unit in Carolina? You got to love your life if you're living with Douglas Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. Get the guy a lifetime pass to any museum he wants. He's just (laughs) playing so well for your team. I'm really glad that he finally found a spot where uh, the coaches were willing to give him the deployment he so justly deserves. And, you know, I was talking about that value over replacement player earlier as I was trying to make my decision. And I think picking a defenseman who is really finally performing up to his potential makes a ton of sense uh, because while there are a lot of exciting defenders out there, there are not a ton of them who are scoring in the stratosphere the way that um, Hamilton is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to uh, if you saw a photo of myself and our average time on ice compatriot Jade Bettine at a recent Calgary Flames game where we were sitting two rows behind Jeff Ward at a Flames uh, Hurricanes game. I'm wearing a Calgary Flames jersey and that jersey is my favorite Calgary Flames player, Ducky Hamilton. (laughs) Uh, I was so sad when he got traded as a adopted Calgarian, and I wish that he was still on the team. I like Elias Lindholm fine, but he is no Douglas Hamilton. All right, well, Ben, I think with that, we have successfully completed the mid-season shifties. How do you feel? I feel like I just watched the greatest Oscars performances of all time, uh, all in one. Wow, we really, I think we've, uh, I think we've changed the culture tonight. Well, I'm excited to see how these turn out, uh, you know, come season's end to see if we made any good predictions, if some of our folks keep up producing the way that they are, if selling high on Hellebuck or Leonard proves to be uh, a good idea. So we'll see how it all works out ultimately. But I'm feeling quite good about this. Yeah, let's just run through a quick summary of the players who have earned their awards tonight. Um, For myself, I have the biggest flop award to Eric Carlson. I have the Hot Wings Award for second half breakout to Jamie Ben. The Streamer of the Year Award, I'm deferring to Cousin Dave with Anthony Duclair. The Some Goalies Are Good Award for Connor Hellebuck. The Miss the Boat Award for Kale McCarr. I really blew it. And MVP, Douglas Hamilton. Lewis, why don't you run through your picks real quick? All right. Well, my biggest flap has a goal and an assist tonight. So way to go, bud. You're making me look like a chump. That's Brent Burns. <laughs> Uh, We've got the Hot Wings Award to Shea Theodore, who I predicted for a 60-point pace the remainder of the season. Streamer of the Year to Tony D'Angelo. Some goalies are good to Robin Lehner. Miss the Boat for Anthony Duclair. And MVP Nathan McKinnon. Awesome. I just want to say, as our first show back in the new year, Lewis, thank you so much for your patience in scheduling tonight. It's been a bit of a S show as far as figuring out. That that's, shouts out Brian Com for that censorship. <laughs> um, it's been a bit of a struggle to get this one scheduled and get it figured out. But now I think we are back to our regular scheduled programming. So thank you to you, Lewis, for being flexible. Thank you to Brian and Elon for giving us this opportunity. Thank you to the fantasy hockey community for being so welcoming and for engaging with us on twitter at avg time on ice uh lewis why don't you take us out of here all right well uh we used natural stat trick yahoo and fan tracks to research today's episode uh thank you to dave Batten and elon dabrowski for their guest spots here as we went through thank you of course uh, to my co-host and yours, Ben Burnett. And we are looking forward to seeing you with some regular length short shifts starting up on Wednesday morning of next week. Until then, play smart and keep your shifts short.